Welcome to The Daily Drive with Josh Downs, a podcast where I'll be sharing principles and insights each and every day to help you on your personal journey through life. Things to better help you move forward from wherever you are to where you want to be. Hey, everybody, and happy Easter. You're listening to The Daily Drive podcast Easter special. I wanted to put together just a little message because I just, I love Easter so much. And so today's episode is episode 315, Sunday Will Come. To start out today, I wanted to share just a quick thought from President Thomas S. Monson, a leader in my faith, who once said, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. (laughs) You know, it's no surprise for those of us that have logged very much time here on earth, that life doesn't always go as planned, does it? Well, one of those unplanned moments happened to me early on in my life as a senior in high school, just prior to the official start of basketball season. Some of you may recall me telling this story probably in an earlier episode. When, while I was scrimmaging with some of my teammates, I suddenly felt a very sharp pain in my chest, unlike anything that I had ever felt before. So I took myself out of the game and I went over and laid down on the side just to try to manage the pain that I was feeling in my chest. And I found out that short, shallow breaths seemed to help mitigate the pain a little bit. Well, come to find out through a bit of inspiration that led me to go to the ER that night, I had a ruptured lung. The immediate objective was to create an outflow of air, a place where the air can escape that was now filling into my chest cavity and building up pressure, which was making it harder for my lungs to inflate. The procedure was simple enough. The doctor just needed to quickly stick a tube through my side and in between my ribs into my chest cavity to help the air escape. I mean, it sounds simple enough, right? Well, as the doctor prepped me for the procedure, they numbed the outside area as best as they could, but said that they don't use anesthesia for this particular procedure, which I didn't think anything of it until the doctor started pushing the tube through my side and forcing it in between my muscles and ribs. I don't remember much at that point other than yelling for my dad who was there in the room to make them stop. The pain was unlike anything that I had ever experienced before, so much so that I collapsed, basically passed out once the tube was through and I could feel the rush of air come surging out. Fortunately, the procedure was a success and my lung was able to heal, but my senior season playing basketball certainly wasn't what I hoped it would be as my recovery was rather slow. My dad and I have reflected on that night and experienced several times since. Him from the perspective of a loving father that would do anything to save his son from pain, but yet had to allow the pain to run its course, as it was the pain that would most likely save me. And then me from my perspective, who couldn't see the value of the pain that I was experiencing because, well, I was in the middle of it. And all that I knew is I wanted it to stop. Well, I've learned that in life there will be times for each of us, as I'm sure many of you are already very much familiar and aware, when from the bottom of our hearts and in the midst of our deepest pain, we will cry out to our Father in heaven, Father, Dad, please make it stop. I felt that cry from my heart on multiple occasions throughout my life. As a young boy dealing with excruciating painful leg and earaches, I'll never forget those. As an adolescent with terrible acne and low self-esteem, who was afraid to even go out in public at times. As a teenager who experienced several broken hearts while dating. As an adult going through divorce and yet another broken heart. As a person experiencing the pain of guilt from sin and poor choices. I've heard this plea for the pain to stop for my own children through bee stings and slivers, disappointments, sicknesses and stitches. 
I've heard that plea for the pain to stop come from students that I've taught over the years and all those things that have brought them pain. I've heard that plea for pain to stop from prophets even. As one prophet and family who were led out of Jerusalem suffered so much in the wilderness that they couldn't help but complain because of all that they suffered, their hunger and their fatigue. Another prophet by the name of Alma, who felt much like Paul did, the crushing weight of guilt from sin and fighting against God and kicking against the pricks, who in the midst of that pain wanted nothing more than to just become extinct so that it would stop. It was so intense and so heavy for him. Another prophet who was forced by wicked men to watch the suffering of the righteous, who were cast into a fire, leading him to exclaim, Oh, how long, O Lord, wilt thou suffer that thy servant shall dwell here below in the flesh, to behold such gross wickedness among the children of men. And yet another prophet who, upon being cast into jail and taken from his family in the cold of winter and hearing about the suffering of those whom he was called to lead, couldn't help but exclaim from the bottom of his heart, O God, where art thou? And how long shalt thy hand be stayed? Dad, please make it stop. This plea for the pain to stop is even recorded as coming from the Savior who also, like us at times, was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and cried out to his father, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Please, Dad, make it stop. Yet in each of these instances, the pain was allowed to run its course. Why? Well, because like my father in the ER room, he knew that the pain was necessary to save me. Elder Richard G. Scott, a leader in my faith, once said, To get you from where you are to where He wants you to be requires a lot of stretching, and that generally entails discomfort and pain. But He also taught this truth, that your Father in Heaven and His beloved Son love you perfectly, and they would not require you to experience one moment more of difficulty than is absolutely needed for your personal benefit or for that of those you love. And that thought brings me a lot of comfort, knowing that our pain serves a purpose and is not for nothing. However, this is the reason that I love Easter so much, is because in the midst of the darkest period in the earth's history, really in all of human history, a period marked by discouragement, by sorrow, by the loss of hope and of intense pain, came a simple statement to those that came to the Savior's tomb, who were not just carrying spices to anoint His body, but who were also carrying the pains of a broken heart carrying the pain of loss, and carrying the pain from fear of the unknown. But yet when they came to this tomb, they found the tomb empty. The darkness, the pain, the death, symbolic of the grave, had been opened. And there was an angel who singly declared that he is not here, for he is risen. Risen from death, from suffering, from sorrow, from mocking, from persecution. Risen from sickness, from temptation, from pain risen from the world, from the tomb, and every dark thing that it represents. And the best news of all is because He has, we can too. If we follow Him, because He knows the way, having walked it first and having walked it alone. As someone wisely once said, if you want to get somewhere, find someone who's already been there and ask them directions which he's given to us freely, as he stated, I am come a light in the world that whosoever believeth on me shall not abide in darkness. The pattern of rising from pain and darkness is the message and hope that Easter can bring to all of us. Joseph B. Worthlin, a leader of my faith, taught this truth so powerfully when he said, Just like the dark Friday of the Savior's death and crucifixion, 
Each of us will have our Fridays, those days when the universe itself seems shattered and the shards of our world is littered about us in pieces. We will experience those broken times when it seems we can never be put together again. We will all have our Fridays, days when we cry out, Dad, please make it stop. He then continues, but I testify to you in the name of the one who conquered death, Sunday will come. In the darkness of our sorrow, Sunday will come. No matter our desperation, no matter our grief in this life or the next, Sunday will come. That is the message of hope for each of us, each and every Easter. He's not here. He is no longer hurting in pain, in sorrow, in darkness, for He is risen. And this is not just a promise of what will be, as wonderful as that is. It's also an invitation for what can be here and now. Through this declaration, we're invited to leave our own places of darkness and come unto Him and find rest, for His yoke is easy and His burden is light. And like He did with Peter, if we call out to Him and reach for Him, seek His help, He will reach down to us and pull us out of the depths of our own storms and the water that threatens to overcome us and bring us out up on top of them again to be risen out of darkness with Him. But we must first seek Him, as one prophet in Scripture pled for us to do, and now I commend you to seek this Jesus, of whom the prophets have written that the grace of God the Father and also the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost which beareth record of them may be in and abide in you forever. Each year I've watched my daughter since they were little scramble about the yard and house with so much excitement looking for Easter eggs that have been hidden for them to find. And I've watched over the years as my nieces and nephews have joined in the fun and excitement to the point where now each year there are so many grandkids that when the gate to my parents' commons area finally opens up, it's like a dam is broken as all the kids go pushing through that little opening, spilling out all over into the yard, into the wooded, grassy area, looking for eggs and laughing with delight as they find them. I watch this happen year after year, and as I do, I'm reminded of how I need to be more like these little children and seek Christ with the same type of enthusiasm and hope and excitement and resolve. They will not stop until every last egg is found and their own personal baskets are discovered. The joy that is on their faces as they find their eggs and baskets is the same kind of joy that we can experience each day as we seek and find Him. He will always be found in our efforts to rise above the darkness of the world and follow Him, As he himself said, draw near unto me and I will draw near unto you. Seek me and ye shall find me. He won't be found in dark places, but in those places that bring light and life. Not in thoughts of discouragement and despair, but in his injunction to be believing and to trust that all things shall work together for your good. He won't be found in fear, but he'll be found in faith. As he says, look unto me in every thought, doubt not, fear not. He won't be found in our sins, but in our efforts to be forgiven. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow, he said. He won't be found in contention, but in our efforts to get along. As he said, blessed are the peacemakers. He won't be found in the endless pursuits of personal entertainment that are out there, but in the efforts to entertain the personal needs of others. For inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me, he said. Perhaps he is sought and found best in this way, in the needs of others. 
As Marvin J. Ashton once taught that the best and most clear indicator that we are progressing spiritually and coming unto Christ is the way that we treat other people. In which case, we don't have to look very hard to find him, do we? Because he's all around us. I've been the recipient of so many kind gestures from others over the years, whether they knew it or not, who were seeking Christ in helping and being kind to me. And I've tried to seek him in the needs of others around me as well. And I know that I've personally found him in the needs of others, maybe better than in any other way. And I have seen so many other wonderful examples in the lives and efforts from others that have led to him being found in the kind things that they've simply said and done to those around them. I've watched as dinners have been made and delivered, errands have been run, yards cared for, items repaired, difficult tasks completed, money donated, time donated, pies given, Christmas cards delivered, sacrifices made, and joy found as they've been lifted, risen even, from their own dark places of pain and suffering. Wouldn't it be great to approach every day like an Easter egg hunt? as we search each day to see how we can help lift those around us and find Christ through them. We are risen with Him as we help others rise. That wonderful statement can become a call to action in our lives and a pattern for us to follow when we find ourselves struggling with the dark Fridays of life. No matter how dark and hard the way, I hope we in those moments can remember the wonderful declaration that was given on that first Easter morning all those years ago that he is not here, for he is risen, and that if we will seek him, we can rise with him as well, rise from the darkness, from despair, from the world, to be lifted into his perfect light and his perfect brightness of hope, knowing that the time will come one day when God says, enough, when he will stop the pain and when he will wipe away all the tears from our eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor darkness, nor despair, nor sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Because he's not here, he is risen. And that, to me, is the hope of each and every Easter that we celebrate. And that's the Easter message that I wanted to share with you today. We all need hope. And to me, Easter is all about having hope. And so whenever you find yourself experiencing those moments when you cry out to God asking Him for the pain to stop, Dad, please make it stop. Remember that you're not alone in this, that even the very best of us, including the Savior Himself, pled at times for the same thing. But He held on, and they held on, and so can we. And if there is someone that comes to mind for you that could use a little hope this Easter and a reminder to keep holding on, Would you consider sending the short Easter message to them today and in your own way remind them that Sunday will come. Thanks for listening, everyone. Again, I hope you have a wonderful Sabbath day and as my mother would say, a hoppy Easter. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Josh Downs and you're listening to The Daily Drive.